Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. All right, we are here today with Miss Jennifer Hansen, and um, thank you for coming. This is awesome. Thank you for having Very me. Very excited about this one. <laughs> yes, Shalacy will be chiming in a lot today because she was a super fan of your first album. Trying not to be creepy <laughs> or like a stalker, but I make make no promises. But um, a lot of people don't know this, but um, you were one of the first pioneers of an artist producer producing your first album. Yeah, I got lucky that Mike Dungan, who signed me to Capitol Records, um, allowed me to co-produce my first record with an engineer. When he signed me, he loved my writer demos, and I produced all of those. So he was worried that if he put me with someone like Dan Huff or, you know, a Scott Hendricks or, or an established producer that kind of had their own sound, that it would affect my sound so he allowed me to go in with uh greg droman who is an engineer and that was his idea not to prepare me with an actual producer but more of an engineer and i went in and i cut uh five sides and beautiful goodbye ended up being my first single so um yeah it was just because I think he really honestly didn't know what to do with me because I was so left of center. Um, but I appreciate that he allowed me to kind of just do my thing and, and be myself without trying to change that. I actually had a, a development deal in RCA prior to signing at Capitol, and I worked with Paul Worley. Yeah. And, you know, those sides didn't really reflect me as an artist. They were they were my songs, but they just didn't really capture me artistically and that deal didn't work out. So, um so Dungan I think he saw the value in what I had to offer um not only as a as a writer but as a producer. Yeah. But that wasn't really something I set out to do. It just was a kind of an extension of of my artistry. Yeah. But what Mike but Mike came from the school of Arista Records mm-hmm. where they were very big artist developers yeah you know they, they allowed a lot of different teams to happen and a lot of different things to happen yeah. so uh, glad he carried that to that to that place too mm-hmm. because that allowed you to kind of have that moment yeah of your first record of really defining yourself and having your voice as an artist yeah it, it did and um i think at that time um beautiful goodbye came out in 2002 uh and it was it was really i think just unique there wasn't anybody that was really doing that um it was kind of you know even just the way that we kind of marketed the single and and all of it it was just kind of unique it was kind of Cheryl Crow Emmylou Harris nobody was really doing that at the time um so it it kind of found a a a niche it found a spot and a lane and then the song took off and and worked unbeknownst to any of us it was going to do that i think it was kind of a surprise to all of us and um yeah we got i think we got up to 14 on the chart on that one so but you were one of the true singer songwriters at that time uh, uh, well thank you (laughs) uh, you know especially for a female at that time because that was during a time where where there were a lot of females coming out but a a lot of them wasn't writing no they weren't and i think that's part of what gave us um 
a little bit of an advantage of being something that was unique. It was definitely a talking point when I came out and people were kind of intrigued by that. Um, but again, it was just, for me, it was just a natural extension of my songwriting yeah. because anytime I would write a song, I would go in the studio and record it and be involved in every aspect of that, that process. Um, I never really set out to be a producer, but for me, for my music, it worked. Yeah. And, um, well, I, mean, so, I know for me, uh, being an artist, a female artist trying, you know, t- to make it in the business, mm-hmm. when you came out, it was like, okay, you looked at the album cover first and it was, yeah, totally different. You know, had you had your Alabama yeah. shirt on, Alabama you t-shirt. were rocking an electric guitar, yeah. which was different. Yeah. You know, and you did have this different sound and Beautiful Goodbye came out and it was like, oh my gosh rushed out bought the album and then you start looking at all the credits and you pretty much co-wrote almost every song on the album and then you look and you co-produce so as a young female artist you're like wow you know there's like no limits and so you sort of open that door to other female artists to say hey you know you don't have to just sing you know you can do it all you know and so you were really an inspiration Thank yeah. you. Know. Well, no, that was I definitely that. the beginning oh, yeah. of that new generation. Of, oh, yeah. Of the female singer songwriter and all that. I'm old. No, no watch <laughs> out. No, you're not. No. <laughs> now, looking back, uh, the one question I have, you know, you did you you did tours. You know, mm-hmm. who were your big tours back then? Who were you touring with? I or? opened for Alan Jackson, for Martina. Um, did some shows with. Sarah Evans and so when you were out with Martina did she go all right I gotta sing that one song um, I'm gonna take it down a half step live <laughs> I mean because let freedom ring is, is up there buddy yeah oh no that girl can say I mean Martina's yeah. you know she's one of our our greats in the business um, but no I I got to do a lot of a lot of cool things you know um, that that first song it really made an impression um, it got me you know i got to play the tonight show which back then was not always a given um even got to sit on the couch with jay leno which was really cool which you know uh debuted at the opry got nominated for new female vocalist at the acms um at the cmt awards beautiful goodbye was was nominated for video of the year i mean there was a lot of cool things that that came from that that song and and that initial launch was was I think considered successful. I think that year was the only female artist that broke. Yeah. There were no females back then, which it's still kind of, I mean, we still are struggling with that. Now we're, we're very male dominated in our, yeah. in our genre. Um, Do you have an, uh, an opinion about that? Is, is it, is it because, you know, so many women are buying product, maybe they buy the guys over the females sometimes or, or, or what's your, what's your, honest opinion about maybe why that's not I, I, relevant. To be honest, I don't know why it's so difficult sometimes for females to break in our industry. Um, there are a lot of talented young females out there. I mean, obviously we've got like now Maren Morris, which she's fantastic. Carly Pierce is starting to break through, um, which is great. But there's a long list of them that haven't and I, yeah. and so many that should have. And I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Um, well, the '90s had a whole yeah. Bunch. We that that was the era for females, yeah. and then in the 2000s, it kind of shifted. And I'm not sure we've ever gotten back. I wonder if that was a more of a pop country thing, where maybe the females weren't doing that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just talking I mean, out loud. 
you know, I mean, obviously Shania was, you know, huge and groundbreaking. And then, and Taylor, of course, too, Taylor Swift. But that's a lot of years between. It is a lot of years between. Um, So to answer your question, I, I'm not exactly sure why it is. Um, It just is. It just is. It just kind of is. Okay. Well, let's fast forward then a little bit because you, you wrote a song called Lead the Pieces mm-hmm. for the Wreckers, which, like I, like I said earlier, man, was one of my favorite hands-down songs in country, Thank period. You. And um, um, we, can, we can play it today. If it was a new demo today, it would get cut right off the bat, I believe. I, I, it, I think it's still one of those songs where, where that can hang in I there. I got so much grief for that demo, by the way, back yeah. when— Oh, I remember. Yeah. When, when I wrote that song with Billy Austin— it was the very first time that I had ever written to a loop. And back then, and we're talking, we wrote that, I wrote that song in 2001. Nobody was writing to loops back then. Now it's all loop yeah. dominated or, you know, everybody writes to tracks. But nobody was doing that back then. And um, I don't know what it was about writing to a groove that kind of, I don't know, it just allowed that song to kind of flow out. <laughs> and we wrote it really fast and... Um, when we tracked it, I had the guys play it to a loop. And I got so much grief from my publisher. They're <laughs> like, what are we going to do with this song? It's too pop. Yeah. You know, but. But you had your record deal then. I I didn't get my record deal till 2002. I had yeah, a yeah, development but, deal yeah, yeah. at the time. So how did a song that good not make it on on your record? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> 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 that is a good question. Um you know, it was pitched to the label, and that initial batch of songs when I first went in and, and, and recorded for Capitol, it just it just wasn't one of the ones they chose. And then by the time we got back in to finish the record, again, it just wasn't on the radar for whatever reason. And um, by the time I went to make my second record, which unfortunately... I ended up sitting sitting there for a few years yeah. w- trying to get them to allow me to get back in to record and I kept bringing them songs and I brought them that song and I brought them I brought them several songs that had gone have since gone on to to be successful or be recorded or what have you and they just didn't hear it. Yeah. And I think they thought it was too pop. They thought it was too pop. But what's interesting is it took someone like Michelle Branch who was initially a pop artist and then decided to come over to our genre and do this duo with Jessica Harp and make a country record. But it took someone like her because she was the one when that, that song was pitched to her by Arthur Buenohora and she was the one that fell in love with it and she got it. But I think it was probably her pop sensibility that she got it. And then John Shanks who produced that record also coming from the pop world. So, you know, it just, it finally found the right home. Yeah, and and I'm glad song. it did. Huge, yeah, that was a big song. song. That was your first number one. That was my very first number one. Yeah. Hey, y'all! This is Jennifer Hansen, and you are listening to Knox Country Podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 what's that like coming from being an artist? Things are struggling. And then, boom, you get a number one record on yeah, Michelle was, Branch and, and her and her duo partner. It was very validating because that song, um, that was one of those songs, you know, you, you write and you co-write with other people and everybody brings something into the room. But that song, for whatever reason, was completely me. Yeah. I mean, 
Not that Billy didn't help me write it, but it really, really was. Yeah, it was your idea. It was. It was my melody, and and it kind of just fell out, and it was my story, and um, and so it really validated my songwriting for me. Yeah. And to be honest, I remember when we wrote that song, I wasn't even going to demo it because it was too close to home. And um, I had that's th- what stuns me about the label is why why they wouldn't let you cut it because that's that's where the magic is is when you find the songs that are so personal. Well, again, um, we had already made the first record, yeah. And when we came back around to the second record, they were so focused on we got to have that first single, we got to have the, the debut single off your second record, and. So, and not that that song wasn't worthy of of being that, um, but they were so focused on that, then they just didn't hear it. And yeah. part of the reason I left Capitol, because I asked to be released from that deal, was because after about two years of sitting there and bringing them songs, Leave the Pieces being one of them, and they kept telling me, you don't have a single yet. We can't go into the studio until you have a single. And during that time, Leave the Pieces got cut. And now I was about to have this debut single on this new duo, and yet they're telling me I don't have songs that are worthy of being a single for me. And I went in and I met with with Mike, and I just said, I don't understand why you keep telling me I don't have a single, but I just got this cut, and it's supposed to be their debut single. And and he just looked at me and he said, they will never play that on country radio because it's too pop. When, you know what's so funny is when I heard the song, mm-hmm. and I looked and saw who wrote it, I was like, why didn't Jennifer Hanson cut that herself? Yeah. I mean, not that I loved their version i loved what the records did but it was like i could totally hear you as an artist yeah singing that song yeah and so again um that was part of the reason i just realized that we were on separate pages and i thought you know i probably need to just cut my ties and see if i can move on and i left the label and the song was released and went to number one and it was like it, it validated for me that that I was right and that I was following my gut and that, you know, um, I, I made the right decision. And then I ended up signing with Universal South and I made a second record. And so, um, yeah, that song definitely was, it's an important song yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, uh, so your second record deal um, kind of you know kind of didn't make the impact the first one did it didn't and, and unfortunately i signed at universal south which is a sister label to yeah. universal and at the time i signed they had just got a, a new president a whole new team and i was one of the very first people they signed so i was kind of a guinea pig yeah yeah and um i had already made a record and they bought that record from me and and they wanted to put out a, sing- a song called joyride which to be honest i wasn't they, i didn't even want that song on the record but that's yeah. what they felt was radio and and we put it out and we were off to a great start and about i don't know six weeks into the single being out the head of promotion quit and the whole thing fell apart yeah. so unfortunately I, I just was at the wrong place at the wrong time people were very receptive to the music um i had just come off two i had just come off leave the pieces being number one and a different world which was recorded by bucky covington um, he was on American Idol. That was his debut single, and that was a top five. So radio was really embracing the songs. But yeah. when your head of promotion quits and the whole team falls apart, good luck getting a song yeah. up the chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just bad timing. So where did um, Let Me Down Easy come into play? Well, Let Me Down Easy, fast forward from, that was 
2007 when I put out Joyride. Um, and I was on Universal South for about three years. And then in that time, I started, again, I was having success as a writer. And I was signed to Sony Publishing. And they were super supportive of me as a writer. And they kept encouraging me to maybe just step back from being an artist and just focus on songwriting. So that's what I started to do in like 2010. Yeah. And that was right around the time that we wrote Let Me Down Easy. And um, that song was uh, another one of those songs that just fell out super fast. I wrote it with Mark Nestler and Marty Dotson. And we wrote it with Billy in mind, which, you know, when you go into a writing room and you're like, oh, well, Billy Currington's cutting. Let's write something for Billy. Nine times out of ten, that song ain't going to get cut by Billy Currington. (laughs) But we lucked out and we happened to write something that just had a little magic on it. And um, Now, is this the song that you had been scheduled for different co-writes? I was scheduled to write with Jerry Flowers. And Jerry is a very successful songwriter, and he is the bass player for Keith Urban, and he's a dear friend of mine. We actually were on the road together for many years. He was my band leader when I was on Capitol and my bass player. And we were scheduled to write numerous times, and that particular day, that was like the fifth time we were scheduled to write, and he would always cancel, (laughs) which it just kind of became funny. Um, And that particular day, I was almost to, to the row to write with Jerry, and he called, and when I answered the phone, he's like, oh, man, I threw my back out at the gym. <laughs> I can't write today. <laughs> and I was like, it's cool, Jerry. It's all good. I love you. We'll find another day. And I hung up the phone, and I called Mark Nestler, and I said, he canceled on me again. He goes, well, come write with me and Marty. We only got about an hour because he's got to go pick up his kids early from school, but we'll get something going. So I show up and I threw out that idea and Mark started singing this melody and 45 minutes later we had Let Me Down Easy. Yeah. And the next week we went in and demoed it and it got put on hold immediately and it was cut within a few weeks of us doing the demo and ended up being Billy's debut single off that record and it went to number one. Well, that was a big song. It was a big song. And yeah. no offense, hearing when, when I hear you singing at Writers' Nights, it's awesome. Thank you. You know, I, but I just love the hanging melodies and everything of that of that song. You know, but well, that melody is Mark Mark Nestler. Uh, you know, and um, uh, but it was a it was a great collaboration between the three of us. And um, but really, it's thank out. you, Jerry. Thank you, right. Jerry, yeah. <laughs> for canceling on me. <laughs> yeah. Knox Country Podcast Edition. <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. All right, okay, so let's, let's... Fast forward a little more now, and there was a there was a movie, yeah, kind of floating around your world where where, mm-hmm. where you kind of jumped into this movie soundtrack. So tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, that was a complete fluke. Country Strong, um, which is the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow and Tim McGraw. That song was written years ago. It took ten years from the time it was written to the time it finally found its home. 
with with the movie but um I wrote that song another song I wrote for myself as an artist and when I was signed to Capitol Mike Duncan hated that song literally hated I mean he told me to my face like I don't like that song our, our head of promotion <laughs> Bill Catino loved it but Mike was like you're not cutting that song I hate it so I was like okay I won't cut it and um it actually was recorded by Miranda Lambert when she was on um Nashville Star when yeah. she was a contestant on Nashville Star and had she won it would have been her debut single but she didn't win Buddy Jewel won so that song kind of laid around for 10 years and fast forward to I think it was 2010 and I was at the time writing for Sony Publishing and Sony Pictures was making this film which at the time was called Love Don't Let Me Down and they asked all of the writers all all of the Sony writers to try to write a song for the title track to this movie called Love Don't Let Me Down. So everybody went off trying to write Love Don't Let Me Down. I wrote two of them, two different versions of it. And um, somebody at Sony pitched Country Strong for the Gwyneth character. And the music supervisor loved it. And they said, wow, we really love this song. And um, they ended up recording it. And it it became kind of this pivotal moment in the movie and after recording it they decided to change the title of the film to country strong so yeah. i ended up getting the title track by default um but you found out about that and in in i a found out way. about it while i was on a <laughs> flight to california i was going home to see my mom and to flying to los angeles and i had my people magazine with me <laughs> i was all by myself and we got about, you know, an hour into the flight. And so I pull out my People magazine. I'm flipping through. And mind you, I hadn't heard nothing. All I knew is that they had cut the song and it was supposed to be in the film. That was still called Love Don't Let Me Down. But I didn't know anything else other than that. So I'm flipping through my people. And all of a sudden, I see this big picture of Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's like, Gwyneth Paltrow's new movie, Country Strong, comes out, blah, blah, blah. You know. And I'm like thinking. They ripped me off. No. What the heck? <laughs> like, wait a second. I was totally confused because I'm thinking, I thought the film was called Love Don't Let Me Down. And why are they saying it's called Country Strong? And of course, I'm on a flight and I can't call anybody. So I have to wait till we <laughs> land. And, uh, but luckily, that flight's only four and a half hours. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I land and I call my publisher. And I'm like, do you guys have any idea like what's why is they saying that this film's called country strong and they're like we don't know they didn't know and which i think is kind of the way it works mm -hmm. in yeah. the whole film tv thing things happen really fast and decisions are made and apparently they decided again to retitle the film and um got the title track to the to the to the film so on a 10 year old song did you ever get to meet gwyneth paltrow i did no? i did I, we had a um premiere here in nashville and i got to meet her which was really cool and uh and then of course she performed the song on the cma awards with vince gill because vince is actually singing with her on on the um on the song on the demo it's myself and um and mark nestler and so it's kind of a not duet but it's kind of got that it had that vince harmony and so they got vince to come and sing it with Gwyneth which was amazing because I'm a huge Vince Gill fan so anyways it was a pretty cool moment um, and now that song was nominated right it was not nominated because it didn't qualify um, oh, he wasn't nominated for a source it, you know it might have well if it was is that a lot of awards sorry 
yes, it was nominated for that. It, I, um, there was a song that was nominated from the soundtrack for um, an Oscar, but it wouldn't it wouldn't qualify for that because in order to be nominated for an Oscar, you have to write the song for the film, and yeah. that song was not written for the film. So, um, yeah, we had somebody else, Jesse. We had Jesse yeah. Alexander here, and she lost a Grammy she lost- nod. Because no, of she lost an Oscar, yeah, yeah, no. and, and a Grammy. Oh, because, oh, yeah, because it wasn't was it written for, for the, the film. For yeah, the film. yeah, and that's interesting because, uh, you know, no offense, a lot of songs are brought in, so you know, uh, brought into movie soundtracks, and you know, yeah. uh, they might not be written for the movie, but I mean, that's yeah. kind of uncool. If it's on the soundtrack, it needs to be. It needs to be part of the. Well, movie. I think so too. What the heck? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think they need to change that rule. <laughs> um, no, I, I I agree. It's kind of an odd. Yeah. Odd rule, I think, but hey, rules are rules, I guess. So, but me, but me knowing you and um, and hearing hearing you over the years talk to me about your career and stuff, and knowing how you started out as one of the one of the early producer artists, mm-hmm. female producer artists. Now you're kind of getting into that world a little more these days. A little bit, you know. It's not something that I've actually sought out. I think I told you guys this story about when I first came to Nashville which was so my dad moved here when I was a kid because he played with Alabama the the group Alabama for 18 years on the road and when he brought me here to come visit him I was about 11 years old and he took me down to Music Row and he took me to what was then the Maypop building which is now the Pier building so the very first building that I ever stepped foot in on Music Row was the Pier building and of course again it was Maypop and um, Marty Craighead was the receptionist at the time. And um, anyways, I was completely fascinated by all the plaques on the walls. And it was really, you know, just exciting to be there. And and so fast forward a lot of years, and now I'm writing there. So it's kind of a big 360 moment. Yeah, but that's an amazing yeah. kind of thing when you're, you know, knowing that that's the first building you walked in as a kid. Now as a kid. It's 360 on music years later. It's cool. I, I want to talk more about kind of what you're doing now because you're kind of getting into production now yeah you know and is that something you uh, i know you've produced your own records and stuff but do you like producing other artists um it's not something that i've sought out to do and most of the time when i am in a scenario or a situation where i'm working with an artist and we're writing together, it's kind of a natural progression for me to go ahead and just finish out the track. And that I love doing. Um, So the few things that I've done recently, like Jeffrey East or the Harper Gray Project, these are artists that I've been writing with. So again, it's that it starts at the organic process of writing the song, which for me, it's just natural to go ahead and just finish it out. And um, I love doing vocals, having been an artist and, and being a singer. I'm really in tune with that. So I like the whole process. So I kind of approach finishing those songs for those artists the same way I would do it for myself. Yeah. So if, if it's the right scenario, um, I absolutely love doing it. Well, the things I've heard that you're producing, I love. Thank you. You know, very... Very standout, very very unique, and very individual. I, I I love the approach of it. So I, I'm probably wearing you out more than anybody about it. You know, just really wanting to see more of that in your future. Well, I I love doing it again. If it's the right scenario, if it's the right artist, and if they feel like I'm the right person for the yeah. job too, because I'm I'm super sensitive to that. Having been an artist, and in the past having been put in the room with 
you know, situations that maybe weren't right for me. And understanding how how important that is, um, being paired with the right producer that really helps to develop that sound. And you know that better than anybody with Aldine and being critical and key to helping him become Jason Aldine. You know, it's like it's got to be the right match. And so if it's the right situation... I love doing it. I love being in the studio. I love writing songs. I love making music. And I love getting to the final product. Um, And that's part of the reason, too, that I've enjoyed doing the sync stuff, which, again, um, writing for film, TV, for ads, that's one of the really cool benefits that Peer has afforded me because Peer has such an incredible sync department. And having been an artist, I can kind of translate that artistry into doing some sync stuff yeah. and we've been starting to get some cool placement we just got um the title track to a disney film and i had a song on a new show called station 19 which is a spin-off to gray's anatomy and um just some other cool things that are some possibilities yeah. so i've loved doing that because again it's it's writing songs it's quickly getting them produced and done and, and turning them around really fast and um but that's a whole, As a whole different, different kind of beast because it when is. you're doing songs and producing or doing your own demos or things like that, you get to spend a different kind of time. Yeah. And then when you're in sync, it's it, it's really sometimes it's it's more about selling a a, a a vibe. Yeah. More than it is about selling a whole song concept. You're absolutely right. It is a whole different way of writing. And just and, for people who don't, I mean, when she says peer, she's meaning peer music is where she's yes. writing. But, but, and then sync is for film, television, commercials, things like that, where you're, you're really not hearing a whole song. You're just hearing this thing, right. you know, where, but it hooks you and it's, mm-hmm. and, and it's a, and it's a part of that moment. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's a whole different mindset to write for sync and i've kind of had to educate myself a little bit on that because coming from the nashville school of writing and writing real songs that you want to get out into the world and you know make a difference and and not that sync songs don't do that but it's a it's a different way of writing it's serving a different purpose um so you know it's it's been, but it's been fun. It's been really fun to kind of be able to step back into tapping into that artist side of myself. Because to be honest, for the last, I'd say, eight years, I've really just been writing for other people. And I haven't been tapping into that artistic side of myself. Yeah. So sync allows me to do that. And I get to explore all kinds of different genres because in sync, one day they need you know, something pop and the next day they need something indie rock. It's a whole different thing, you know, so I'm getting to try all kinds of stuff and kind of indulge that creative side yeah. of me. It almost sounds like it's it's refreshing for it's you. Very, it's been very refreshing and it's been fun. I think more than anything, what's been fun is that I'm getting to get behind the mic and sing again because most of the time, nine times out of ten, when I'm in a writing situation, I'm writing for someone else mm-hmm. yeah. because the new model now in Nashville is that you write with an artist to get on that project. That's unfortunately, that's the way we have to do it. And so I don't get the luxury of just getting to sit down and write yeah, or yeah. write for me or write for, you know, to experiment, to branch out. Yeah, exactly. Hey guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. 
Well, and to, and to talk more about the writing thing, do you, you're coming from, you know, a day where you were a singer songwriter. It might've yeah. been you, one other person in a room, sometimes right. a third, right. a, a rare moment. Nowadays, you're almost starting at three. Absolutely. And sometimes you somebody invites, yeah, somebody <laughs> invites somebody else in a room or a guy brings a loop in and the loop's got two people on it. Right. And you didn't know. I you know. know. So <laughs> is, is that trend? I mean, are you... Uh, enjoying is the wrong word, but I mean, does right. it does it frustrate you sometimes when you're like, I mean, I wish I could get back and just do a co-write. Yes, sometimes you know, but it yep. is it is the way of the beast right now. It is, and I think you know, in order to be successful and continue to be successful in this business, you have to evolve. You yeah. have to you have to be willing to change. I think there are some writers that refuse to do it, and that's they haven't been able to continue in this business. Yeah. I've been really fortunate that I've, I've you know i've been here for 20 years i've been a writer a signed writer with the publishing deal for 20 years um but i've had to learn to adjust and adapt and and change and learn to be a chameleon in the room um and it's a different it's a different headspace now when when i'm sitting down to write like i said with an artist and there's a track guy and there's to other writers and the artists. I mean, and you just have to go with the flow because at the end of the day, my job is to write a song that that artist will hopefully record and will be a single. Yeah. You know, which is a tall order. Yeah. And yeah. I better do it from 10 to 2. Yeah, <laughs> I better yeah. get that artist in and out and get that track done and get their vocals tracked and then turn that sucker around fast because yeah. that's the attention span now that we have. Um, it's it's a whole different it's a whole different game it's a whole different thing, so that is why I do like the sync thing because I can just kind of go off with one or two other people and we just have fun and we make music and you guys are affording me that opportunity to do that. Knox is affording me that opportunity to get back to Jennifer Hansen. I, when I was at Sony, it was more of a machine over there because it's a bigger company and it was more about getting the cuts getting the cuts and so i wasn't able to do that speaking of cuts um hello you're jason aldean cut yes yes so excited to be is that your first aldean cut yes yes <gasps> i'll um, wait for you it's i'll wait for you song. on the new rearview town record so proud of that cut the cut is incredible that's the other thing as a writer that there's been times where you have a song that's cut and you get demoitis or you love the demo and you hear the cut and it doesn't quite live up to, you know, maybe the demo. You're a little disappointed. Not disappointed with the Aldine. <laughs> that thing is incredible. And I'm so grateful and proud to be on that oh, yeah. record. Aldine and the musicians and the engineers all did a phenomenal yeah, job. Yeah, they did. Did on a phenomenal song. job of taking my direction. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> oh, and you, yeah, the, the producer, I guess he was all right. No, hey. I, uh, <laughs> the whole record those is are, incredible. Um, but it, songs it like that, I'll wait for your very bread and butter. And those are the easiest ones to cut, you know, in wow. our crew, because they uh, those are the ones that you kind of see on the list and you know it's just bread and butter. Where they just tear a hole in the track. Oh, and the musicians wow. in the studio were like flipping out over the song Well, when they cut it. And it's, it's reacting very well. I, I've, I've seen like... The video on YouTube has yeah. 
a lot of views, mm-hmm. maybe in comparison to some yeah, of the other yeah. songs. And so it does seem like people are responding to it's it. It's a great so song. I'm keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> that it maybe becomes a single. He'll release a tempo sometime on this record. Yes. No, it's, but the thing is, I mean, it, it is an incredible record with a lot of incredible songs. So just to even be on the record is huge. Well, and I appreciate I'm it. Well, it, so trust grateful. me, it's best song wins and that one's on there for a reason. Well, thank you for cutting it. Thank you, Jennifer Hansen, for being here. Thank you for having me, Michael Knox and Shalay Secret. Well, thank you, Miss Jennifer. Knox Country. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Miss Shalacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. You've entered Knox Country Outtakes. Oh, one more time. Sorry. This... I'm out of practice. This is <laughs> who is Nathan Johnson. You remember that off the jerk or no? I don't. You never saw the jerk with Steve Martin. I vaguely remember. We're chatting and we're talking, and I'm eating my breakfast. I'm thinking I'm having breakfast with Vince Gill. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to pay, and he had bought my damn breakfast. Oh. I was about to say, did he no, leave you with his check? No, he bought my breakfast. <laughs> I went to pay, and the, the waitress like. He got it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Vince Gill just bought my breakfast. Knox Country. Podcast edition.